It's the 22nd of April, the third Sunday of Easter in the year of our salvation, 2007. And this is Father Z with another podcast. We welcome back as our guest today, Pope Leo the Great, who's always wonderful. Even though he died in 461, he speaks to us very clearly over the centuries. Uh, we'll have some of his sermon. Matter of fact, we'll have the whole sermon today. Uh, number three, which was from his uh, the anniversary of his election as successor of Peter. Also, uh, I'll talk about Monsignor Richard Schuler, uh, who died recently at the age of 86. He was pastor of St. Agnes for over 30 years in St. Paul, Minnesota, a great uh, church musician and a man who fostered many, many vocations to the priesthood, including this one. So here we go. We're hearing today from sermon number three of Pope Leo the Great, great doctor of the church, one of the most eloquent speakers the church has ever, ever produced. This homily was uh, pronounced on the 29th of September in 443. Now, this was the anniversary of his ascent to the see of Rome when he became the Bishop of Rome. And he preached every year on this anniversary. Uh, but we only have very few of the homilies. And I, because I've talked so many times about Leo uh, in introductions to these podcasts, I'm not going to you know, fill in the context here too much, other than to say that uh, at this time in the 5th century, there were still a lot of heresies that uh, men like Leo had to deal with. Uh, there were problems uh, with Manichees, and there were problems with pagans. There were Christological controversies raging about who Christ is, uh, whether you know how the natures of Christ, how did the divine, divinity and humanity of Christ, you know, fit together, and just who he was. And so uh, you can hear echoes of these concerns in the sermon uh, I'm going to read. It's short enough that we can hear the whole thing. But also, there are some other things that you should listen for. Now, Leo was acutely aware of his role as the Bishop of Rome, Peter's successor. And therefore, he explains in clear terms the role Christ himself gave to Peter in the church, which was founded on his person. Leo then identifies himself with Peter and explains that he himself must be uh, received and listened to and accepted as Peter still living among them. But he also explains the bond between himself and his people, his flock, which is every disciple of Christ in the whole world, because Peter has primacy in all of the apostles and bishops in the world. He has primacy over all all of the bishops and priests in the entire world, because he himself is Peter. But just as uh, he has primacy, his flock has primacy among all flocks. And therefore, uh, just as his responsibility is greater than all the other bishops, the people have a responsibility greater than all other Christians in the world to be holy. 
And so close is this bond between them, Leo and his flock, that just as Christ had two natures, Leo uh, has a, a twofold honor and reward. He has honor from God, but his reward comes from the merits of his flock. So those are a few points to listen to. Now, as we move into sermon number three, uh, which was pronounced by Leo here in Rome on the anniversary of his election as the successor of Peter. Quotiens nobis misericordia Dei, donorum suorum dies renovari dignatur, justa delictissimi et rationabilis causa letandi est, si officio rigo suscepti ad laudem sui referatur autoris. Hancenim observantiam omnibus quidem sacerdotibus congruam, sed mihi maxime necessariam esse coniosco, coniam respiciens ad exiguitatis me etenuitatem, et ad suscepti muneris magnitudinem, etiam ego propheticum illud debeo proclamare. Domine, audivi, audivi. Every time that God in his mercy sees fit to bring back the day of his gifts, dearly beloved, there is just and reasonable cause for us to rejoice, provided that the origin of our having received the office be referred to the praise of its source. I realize that this observance, appropriate as it is for all priests, is especially incumbent upon me. When I compare the impoverishment of my insufficiency with the greatness of the gift I have received, I too should cry out in those words of the prophet, Lord, I have heard your word and was afraid. I have considered your works and trembled. What indeed could instill as much anxiety and fear as labor for the frail, elevation for the lowly, dignity for the undeserving. Yet we do not despair or give up, since we do not depend on ourselves, but on the one who works in us. So we have chanted with one voice the psalm of David, dearly beloved, not for our own exaltation, but for the glory of Christ the Lord. He it is also of whom it is said in prophetic manner, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That is to say, 
not according to the order of Aaron, whose priesthood passed down through the descent of his offspring, and was a temporary ministry that ceased with the law of the Old Testament, but according to the order of Melchizedek, in whom the office of eternal high priest was prefigured. Since there is no mention of the parents he came from, he must be understood as standing for the one whose genealogy cannot be told. Finally, since the mystery of this divine priesthood also extends to its implementation by men, it does not pass down through the course of generations. It is not what flesh and blood have created that is chosen. Rather, the privileges of paternity give way and the social positions of families are disregarded as the church accepts for her rulers those whom the Holy Spirit has prepared. Among the people of God's adoption, which is priestly and kingly when taken as a whole, the prerogative of earthly lineage does not obtain the anointing. Instead, it is the approval of heavenly grace that engenders the prelate. Therefore, dearly beloved, though we be found weak and slothful in carrying out the duties of our office, even if we want to accomplish something devoutly and energetically, we are slowed down by the very frailty of our condition. Still, we have the constant propitiation of the omnipotent and perpetual priest, being at once like unto us and equal with the Father. He lowered his divinity to the human state and lifted his humanity up to the divine. We rightly and piously rejoice in his arrangement, because although he has delegated the care of his sheep to many shepherds, he himself has not relinquished custody of his beloved flock. From his eternal protection derives the reinforcement of apostolic help that we have received. This never stops working either, and the stability of the foundation on which the height of the entire church has been built up does not show any signs of straining, no matter how large the weight of the temple pressing down upon it. For the sturdiness of that faith which was praised in the leader of the apostle endures. Just as what Peter believed in Christ remains, there likewise remains what Christ instituted in Peter. When, as it was unfolded in the Gospel reading, the Lord had asked the disciples whom they believed him to be, since there were many different opinions. And when the blessed Apostle Peter had answered, saying, You are the Christ, Son of the living God, the Lord said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I shall give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, it will be bound also in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, it will be loosed also in heaven. This pattern of truth remains. Persevering in the fortitude he received, Blessed Peter does not relinquish his government of the church. He was ordained before the others, so that when he is called rock 
declared foundation, installed as doorkeeper for the kingdom of heaven, appointed arbiter of binding and loosing with his definitive judgments retaining force even in heaven. We might know through the very mysteries of these appellations what sort of fellowship he had with Christ. He now manages the things entrusted to him more completely and more effectively. He carries out every aspect of his duties and responsibilities in him and with him through whom he has been glorified. So, if we do anything correctly, or judge anything correctly, if we obtain anything at all from the mercy of God through daily supplications, it comes about as a result of his works and merits. In this sea, his power lives on, and his authority reigns supreme. This, dearly beloved, is what that confession has obtained. Since it was inspired by God the Father in the Apostle's heart, it has risen above all the uncertainties of human thinking, and has received the strength of a rock that cannot be shaken by any pounding. In the universal church, Peter says, Every day, you are Christ, Son of the living God. Every tongue that confesses the Lord has been imbued with the teaching of this utterance. This faith binds the devil and loosens the chains of his captives. It ushers the outcasts of this world into heaven, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So great is the firmness with which it has been divinely fortified that no heretical depravity can ever corrupt it and no pagan faithlessness overcome it. Under these conditions, then, dearly beloved, the celebration of today's feast involves a submission that conforms to reason. Regard him as present in the lowliness of my person. Honor him. In him continues to reside the responsibility for all shepherds, along with the protection of those sheep entrusted to them. His dignity does not fade even in an unworthy air. On that account, the presence of my venerable brothers and fellow priests, though I have longed for it indeed and thought it something to be honored, has all the more sacred and devout a character if they redirect the reverence of this service, at which they have seen fit to be present, to the one whom they know to be not only the ruler of this see, but the primate of all bishops. When we present our exhortations to your holy ears, consider that you are being addressed by the one in place of whom we exercise this function. It is with His affection that we admonish you. We preach to you nothing other than what He taught, imploring that you gird the loins of your minds, that you lead a pure and sober life in the fear of God, and that your mind not consent to its concupiscences while forgetting its own primacy over the body. Brief and fading are the joys of earthly pleasures which try to divert those who are called to eternity away from the path of life. 
Let your faithful and devout minds conceive a passionate desire for heavenly things and lift themselves up with eagerness for the divine promises to love of the incorruptible good and to hope for the true light. Be assured, dearly beloved, that the labor by which you resist vices and repel carnal desires is pleasing in the sight of God and precious. It will be of benefit before the mercy of God, not only to yourselves, but to me also. It is from the progress of the Lord's flock that the shepherd's guardianship receives glory. For you are my crown, as the apostle said, and my joy. If your faith, which was preached in the whole world, from the beginning of the gospel, will have persevered in love and holiness. Though all the churches throughout the entire world ought to blossom with every virtue, it is especially fitting that you should stand out among other peoples in the merits of loyalty. You have been firmly planted in the very citadel of the apostolic rock. Our Lord Jesus Christ redeemed you along with all the rest, but the blessed Apostle Peter instructed you before all the others. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Cum omnibus redemit et beatus apostolus Petrus pre omnibus erudivit. Per Christum Dominum nostrum. What a magnificent speaker Leo must have been. Can you imagine listening to him, what it must have been like to hear his mellifluous Latin rolling out in the Constantinian Basilica, set high on the hill? Remember, you know, we've got the imagery in the homily of the, of the great temple on the hill, and, and actually St. Peter's was very high up. It was raised up on the Vatican Hill, which seemed much higher than it, than it does today. And with this great, this great weight weighing down uh, on the top of the hill, as as uh, as Leo describes, is a perfect image of the great, the enormous weight on Leo's own shoulders. Just as uh, the weight of the keys uh, were, must have rested heavily on Peter even during his life. But God makes. Uh, these men makes everyone strong enough to bear whatever vocation it is that he has uh, foreseen for them to have in his great scheme of salvation for all the people uh, who he brings into life. Leo uh, was immensely important for deepening our understanding of the Petrine ministry in the church, who Peter is and who Peter continues to be in the church. Christ gave us our church, and as a constituent element of the church, without which the church can't really ever be whole, is the continuing role of Peter in the person of the successor of Peter, our Holy Father, presently our wonderful, wonderful Pope Benedict. Now I chose this sermon today 
which is not in uh, today's office. I usually pick something from the second reading of the Office of Readings. Uh, it, it is, however, I believe a section of which is in the Common for Pastors in the Liturgy of the Hour. Uh, I chose this sermon today uh, partly in honor uh, of Monsignor Richard Schuler, who is the pastor at St. Agnes Parish in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, who died recently. Uh, Monsignor Schuler uh, was a great uh, shepherd, and uh, he was deeply attached to the person of the Roman pontiff, and very much his ministry was characterized as simply doing what the church asked for. His responsibility was to carry out the office that was given to him. And he didn't want to go outside that parameters, that parameter into his own ideas or his own creativity without it being in harmony and subjected to the church. Now, I chose the sermon today, uh, which is not actually in today's Office of Reading, so that's what I usually do in these podcasts, um, in honor, uh, in part, to Monsignor Richard Schuler, uh, who was pastor uh, for so many years at St. Agnes Parish in St. Paul, Minnesota. This is the man who received me into the church and uh, taught uh, me and many, many other young priests uh, so very much about what it is to be a priest, what it is to be a Catholic. Uh, Monsignor Schuler was deeply attached to the person of the Roman pontiff, and in his work as a pastor, as a, as a priest throughout his life, he uh, strove always to be obedient to his office, uh, whatever role he had been given in his long life as a priest over 60 years. He didn't want to impose his own ideas or his own creativity on anything that he did or go outside the parameters that were outside parameters that were in harmony with the church's laws and church's traditions and church's teachings. And so in many ways he resembled what Leo spoke about in that sermon we just hear. Um, he was frail, like every man, but God supplied strength for his hands as he worked. And of course, we are all in that condition, aren't we? But priests are especially in need of God's help because the devil attacks them more than any others. So in this uh, little podcast, I wanted to present a, a simple tribute to Monsignor Schuler using these great words of Leo the Great. Uh, Monsignor accomplished so much in the Lord's Vineyard, and we should be grateful to him. With that, I've got to wrap this podcast up. I'm going to the United States tomorrow, flying home for Monsignor Schuler's funeral. There will be a great mass. Uh, the Mozart Requiem will be used with, I'm sure, probably black vestments, and there will be uh, many, many priests, and I'm sure it'll be impossible for most people who want to go, even to get into the church, there will be so many people there. Uh, and he merits uh, that sort of honor and send-off. But remember also that as we honor him, we should also pray for him. And that's what I'm going to do. We're going to pray, go and pray for Monsignor Schuler and then uh, uh, bury him in the honor that he deserves. But I've got a zillion things to do, so I must wrap this up. I hope you come and visit the blog, wdtprs.com. What does the prayer really say? That's Whiskey Delta Tango, Papa Romeo Sierra. Uh, say a prayer for me, as I will for you, and God bless you.